All right, welcome to the call sheet. This is episode one, our first episode. We are in studio today with Cody Shook, is a candidate for Fannin County Sheriff. Cody, welcome to the studio. Thank you all for having me. Happy to be here. So we're kind of breaking it in. You might hear some uh, strange noises, clicking, popping. It's because we're setting up first episode, so uh, just bear with us. So, Cody, you and I have never met before, and uh, Fred's here with us, and, and uh, Fred's the one that kind of set all this up. So, uh, do you guys know each other? How, how do you guys uh, how do you guys get together to make this arrangement? I think we'd met once before at a Fourth of July event, and that's uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. Right on, right on. So it's kind of a uh, roundabout mutual acquaintance kind of situation, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, Cody, what are you doing right now that uh, got you interested in running for sheriff? Well, it's it's been a long road so far. I mean, the campaign itself has already been going for about a year, and then there was uh, probably about a year of preparation before that as well. Oh, wow. Um, it, it's been uh, – we, we've got a lot going on and, and a lot of changes over in our county. And there was – seeing a lot of that stuff that's happening – and that is going to happen here in the next 10 years that really got me interested in doing what I can to help preserve the place that I grew up in. All right, so where'd you grow up? So I grew up just outside of uh, Leonard, between Leonard and Blue Ridge, down there um, on the county line. Uh, we had a small farm and ranch uh, down there, ran cows and baled hay and things like that. Grew up very steeped in agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, started off in public safety as a volunteer fireman there for blue ridge okay so where are you currently are you currently policing over there yeah currently i'm the chief of police for ector um right there just outside of bonham and then uh live right next door in savoy all right so you got the west side of the county covered yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) so fred feel free to jump in there with whatever you've got but uh, so you talked about that you uh, started off with the fire department mm-hmm. in Blue Ridge, and uh, so what made you change from fire to law enforcement? Well, so I started, like I said, as a volunteer fireman, and then I even got into a special program that got me into the EMT Academy before I even got out of high school. So at 17, I was already steeped in public safety, and uh, law enforcement was always where I wanted to be, um, but obviously you got to be 21 to be in law enforcement. So. From 17 to uh, what ended up being 22, I spent in fire and EMS, and then uh, did some major disaster response for the state as well through the Forest Service. Um, and then at, uh, at 22 years old, I had the opportunity to switch from fire and EMS to law enforcement, where I wanted to be to begin with, and um, and, and made that transition then. Right. Did you ever get to do any of the Texas A&M classes with the fire and wildland firefighter? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we did. Um, we did quite a few of those all over the state, and then um, we handled uh, several pretty nasty fire seasons out around, you know, Possum Kingdom, Palo Pinto County, out that way. Um, and then we were available, you know, statewide. We responded anywhere in the state that we were requested. So it was a lot of fun. Um, it is a ton of travel, so it doesn't work great with the family. I mean, right. I'd be home maybe 10 days out of the month. So who are you doing the uh, travel firefighting? That was through the through the Texas Forest Service. Okay. Yeah. So, were you still volunteering with them, or were you were you an actual Texas Forest Service? Employee? No, that, that was a paid full time position with okay, them, cool. and then I was still volunteering on the side as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good. so we kind of walk a, a similar path there. My first 
job, if you will, after high school was uh, my local fire department. Mm-hmm. I started off with just an EMT, running running the EMS truck, and then went to the fire academy while I was working. Yeah, and did that for several years. And uh, um, you know, we had the fire academy training, but it doesn't really go too in depth with wildland firefighting. It right. was one of those kind of a one week mm-hmm. or less. Hey, here. Oh, by the way, here's wildland firefighting in small spaces um, versus doing the, the A&M actual wildland firefighting. And we didn't really run into it too often other than pasture right. fires and stuff. But there was one or two times where we had, you know, this was East Texas, so we have the big mm-hmm. um, pine trees. And you get into some wild wildland uh, fires where you're pretty much out there with just a booster truck and one hose line. Right. It gets a little scary. It, it can be, yes. We handled several major fires uh, in West Texas in the mountains out there. Mm-hmm. and. You know, you're talking about terrain so tough that you're not going to get a motorized vehicle to mm-hmm. a lot of it. So you're you're on foot. You got an axe or a shovel, or yeah. you know, you hope the air tankers are going to show up on time because <laughs> right. it, there's nothing else coming. Right. I, yeah. The one that, incident that sticks out in my mind was uh, watching the fire go um, above me, mm-hmm. just go right past me, but it was in the top of the trees, just heading down the way. Yes, and we're like, oh, <laughs> which trees are going to come down, and how are we going to yeah. get out of here? No, that was an awesome time. I really enjoyed the job, but it, it's very labor intensive, a lot of travel, and it's just it's not a good family life. Right. Well, I think there's something to be said for experiencing the fire service as well as law enforcement. Yeah. Um, it's a whole different. Gave a little bit of understanding of what the heck they were doing sometimes. Right. And it's a whole different mentality in the fire service. You know, the fire service is is just that. It's entirely service-based. You're not putting people in jail. You know, people enjoy seeing you when you show up. Nobody's in trouble. You can have it, a chili supper. Exactly, exactly. It gives you – but I, I think it was very important for me to do that first because it gave me a different mindset than most law enforcement. You know, it, it, it instilled the service-based aspect of it all in me at a very early age, and, and that's really helped me in law enforcement too. All right. So how do you uh, how do you foresee transitioning that into the role of sheriff? It'll, it'll come in handy um, because obviously in Fannin County, the sheriff's office dispatches for all the fire services in the county. Um, they send EMS calls to uh, Bonham PD, who then dispatches EMS for Bonham uh, Fire. So at least having a, a basic knowledge of what the fire departments need and how we can assist them through dispatch and how deputies can assist them on scenes uh, it's going to be pretty, very helpful especially as short-handed as all of our fire departments are um, and as much as they have to deal with they're not getting paid to do the job they're just they're showing up and doing it anyway so having at least a basic knowledge of how the deputies can assist or at least know how to stay out of the way on fire scenes and crashes we've all got to rely on each other to some degree right well something to be said for what you just said one of the things i never forgot from fire academy was they always taught us to use our copological meter (laughs) did you ever learn that one if the if you're trying to decide whether the scene is safe if all the cops run in and fall down it's not quite safe yet (laughs) so wait a little longer yep um so how many paid fire departments are in Fannin county currently but i saw no bonham is there anybody else everybody else is volunteer Yes, we have Bonham is paid, um, and they're also the, the current. Now they're only the only ambulance service. There used to be a second one. It's it's not in business anymore, 
So they're the only ambulance. Bells that was coming over. Correct, because they had the contract to cover the city of Savoy, mm -hmm. uh, and, and since they're out of business, Bonham has had to pick that up. So they've been very their resources are stretched pretty thin. So do you foresee using the sheriff's office uh, in any way to kind of leverage more uh, emergency medical services in the county? It would be possible, you know, if there's uh, some kind of, you know, you know, obviously if there's a CPR in progress or some kind of person down or something that law enforcement can assist with in a, in a first aid CPR fashion, we definitely want to do that. Um, as far as being able to make up for needing a whole other ambulance, that, that'd well, be that's a little bit I, I wasn't necessarily meaning you know, right. law enforcement assistance, but using the office of sheriff to um, help recruit other providers to the area. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I really do think that, um, you know, probably the county will see the need and the justification for adding um, and assisting in funding with Bonham to add another ambulance to help cover that, especially with the nursing home in the town and everything there. Um, from what I understand, that's already in the works. Wow. Do you know what the forecasted growth for Bonham is once the lake? So for the county as a whole, um, the water districts and the electric co-ops and people like that are guessing that in the next 10 years, Fannin County will go from 35,000 people to 70. Now that's, that's actual, um, you know, people residing in the county. That doesn't include, you know, weekend and holiday traffic. We got two new lakes. Um, they're going to have a lot of weekend and holiday traffic. I mean, our weekend population is going to be significantly higher than that. We actually just um, took a tour of the new Bodark Lake today with the Texas Parks and Wildlife, and the seeing the sheer size of it and the developments that are already underway, it's going to transform what Fannin County is. So how many officers do you think you're going to have to add for what's already, say, in Phase 1 construction? Well, right now, so right now there's two deputies assigned to the lake, uh, a sergeant and a patrol deputy. The lake is funding three more uh, at the end of this year, uh, sometime around the new budget here in November. So that'll be five assigned to Bodark Lake. Now, well, there's Ralph Hall Lake, and from what I understand, there is no funding for law enforcement from Ralph Hall. So we are going to need uh, additional deputies down there to cover that area. Uh, with currently as we are right now without the population growth we need to about double the size of patrol um, now going to commissioners and asking for that money to double the size of patrol you know they're not going to have it so we're, we're going to have to look at some other resources to help deal with these issues besides just a large check to, to hire more deputies as the corps of engineers providing any manpower is, are, are they running either one of those no locations? both both the lakes are, are um, owned by private water districts oh there okay mm -hmm. i guess i knew one of them but wasn't super familiar does that fall under any kind of uh, park ranger jurisdiction at all so it could i mean obviously texas parks and wildlife is helping with that um there's only one game warden assigned to fanning county and i have asked about that question you know hey if, if call load um, justifies it can you bring in another game warden can we get some more state resources here and it's definitely a possibility but it's not going to happen until the lakes are entirely open they know what the traffic's looking like they know what the call load's looking like um, and they can justify the funding to add more state resources but it's definitely a possibility a couple years down the road so how do you plan on um, tackling like recruitment and retention for deputies that, that's probably going to be the biggest challenge for whoever comes into office next. Um, recruitment and retention are, it's going to be a, a headache. So right now, Fannin County, just increased deputy pay to match Bonham PD. 
the funding is what's that what's the salary on that now i believe they're starting around 48. um so we're receiving state funds uh three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year under some new legislation that just went in the county has allotted uh, about three hundred thousand of that to get deputy salary equivalent to bonham pd so while it's still not a lot of money compared to grayson or collin counties or even hunt counties it is at least you know, it's a step in the right direction and they're using state funds to do it so it's not coming directly out of the property taxes of the county but really what we're going to have to do i mean we need to be recruiting people who have an interest in fanning county and want to be there because that's where their family is or that's where you know they're <laughs> sorry about that me take a pause not urgently, but yes, I didn't know it was going to be loud. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, but anyway, so we need to be recruiting people that actually want to be in Fannin County, whether they have a they're personally invested there. That's where they grew up. That's where their families are. You know, we need we need the hometown officers and deputies. I think that's going to help, and it's also going to offer a better way of life. You know, here in the last ten years or so, we've seen an exodus of law enforcement from the Dallas PDs, the NYPDs, the LAPDs. People are getting out of the big cities for to you know get away from the civil unrest and everything else that we've seen so we need to be playing into that and and recruiting people that want the way of life that we have out there and have a, a personal interest in fanning county how do you got how do you plan to find those people when they come to the area yeah it's, it's going to be tricky but we're going to have to do very active in our recruitment you know from the academies whether it's more advertising um we recently hosted a class uh, through the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center right there in Ector. And that brought peace officers from Los Angeles, uh, New York, uh, Washington State, Delaware, I mean, all over the nation. And by the time they were done um, with the two-week class, man, half of them wanted to move. They just couldn't believe the way of life, the, the cost of living here. I mean, so there are plenty of selling points that we can present. We're just going to have to be very active and intentional in doing it and even seeing if it's possible to reach beyond just our, our North Texas, the three police academies that we've got right here. All right. Did you take them out to the doomsday bunker? <laughs> Not to the doomsday bunker. <laughs> we took them to the uh, water fountain. <laughs> <laughs> we took them to Hutchins barbecue and that about yeah, sealed the deal. Right. So they, they love that. Cool. Well, I guess the, the, the timer told us that it was about time for a break. So we'll go ahead and uh, take our first break here and, uh, once we come back, we'll talk about some of the technology needs, et cetera, and uh, kind of get into some other things. Sheriff, we got Mr. Cody Shook in the studio today, and uh, we were just talking about recruitment efforts that are going to have to go on in Fannin County to keep up with the growth and uh, find the people that are relocating from the urban areas. And uh, so we went into the break, kind of talking about that, and teased with uh, some of the technology needs. So, what kind of technology deficiencies do you think is uh, currently in the county, and how would you address those? So we've got, as everybody knows, you know, criminals and people are using, you know, it just they pick up a smartphone. The technology available to anybody today is, is 
pretty astounding and how it's being used in crimes is changing every day so we're seeing a lot of different things that you know a lot of crimes against children are completely online nowadays we're seeing a lot of fraud against elderly it's you know phone scams and online scams it's the technology is going to be key um a lot of people like Fanning County because we have the small town community and the, and the values. But as soon as a kid picks up an iPhone, that doesn't matter. They've got the whole world in their hand. So we've already had cases where, um, you know, we've had children that have even been solicited and taken to Dallas and, um, you know, had crimes committed against them there or recruited to Oklahoma or even, you know, have had the, uh, the sextortion happen online where they're, you know, extorted into sending photographs and different things. So the technology is changing so quick, we've got to keep up with it. And, you know, one simple thing there is, you know, when we do take, you know, a cell phone for evidence or something like that, we're all relying on Bonham PD to download it. And they're great about doing it. They're great. They're more than willing to help. But we need to have more current and up-to-date technology to be able to do that ourselves. We also need to be doing everything we can to combat, you know, all the online crimes against children that we're seeing, and that's going to take that's going to take some, you know, designated computers. We need to be setting up some online stings, you know, everything that we can do in that particular area because it's very prevalent, whether people see it or not, and it's significantly underreported. And it's one of those things that if you're not actively searching for those types of criminals it's so underreported you may never even know it's happening. So like I said, it's some very basic things that we need. Um, there is some grant funding out there. There's some resources through the, um, the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force that we need to be taking advantage of and participating in. And then, uh, well, first of all, we need to be joining that task force because they will even bring the technology to us under certain circumstances. They'll bring it from Dallas to help us out with cases. Um, so there are options to deal with those issues without costing an arm and a leg to, to buy very expensive equipment. So one thing when it comes to like sexual crimes that can be, especially involving children, it can be very taxing on the investigator officers. Very much so. Uh, mental health, you know, that's not a whole lot of them stay in it for very long because of that. And what would you do to help combat that strain on the officer that's investigating it. Yeah, that's very important. So your average uh, crimes against children investigator faces burnout from the job in two to three years. Um, and it just depends on the caseload and how, how much they're dealing with. Um, and, and that needs to be a very high priority. And not just in this area. Officer mental health across the board has been so overlooked in the past few years. Um, we need to literally be training on it. I mean, we train how to use firearms. We train how to do all these other life-saving techniques, but suicide among law enforcement is extremely high, and we're not addressing it like we are everything else we do to save officers' lives. So uh, the, the mental health, we need to be doing training on, on how to take care of ourselves. We need to be doing training on um, you know everything we do to look out for each other, the warning signs. And then not only that, but we need to have somebody in place that if an officer does go through a critical incident or is getting burned out from crimes against children cases or anything like that. Somebody that they can go talk to, somebody that's contracted through the county, and we can do that. It's very cheap. It's We can get quality help for law enforcement very cheap because there are so many resources out there for it. But it definitely um, needs to be a priority. 
And to some degree, I think that will help the recruitment process and retention process as well, yeah. because as soon as people realize the leadership in the agency has your back and cares about you as the employee, it, it, that goes a long way. And in law enforcement, I mean, we all talk. We all know how other agencies handle officers and deputies. And once an agency gets the reputation of, hey, they've got our back, they're looking out for us, that goes a long way into inter-recruitment as well. Right. Um, I know. I know there was a couple incidents I was <clears throat> involved with when I was over there. Not a lot of resources were really anywhere, not prevalent anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, So how many uh, people are in CID at the Sheriff's Office right now? Uh, right now, well, let's talk positions instead of, because I think they have a couple of positions that aren't filled at the moment. Uh, it would be uh, four investigators and a sergeant. <clears throat> so... It's grown quite a bit over the years. I think just it wasn't just a few years ago that it was um, just one investigator. One or two, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, point being to the reason I asked that question is we're talking about the mental health and dealing with it, and then you've got a department like CID that's only got one or two people that are shouldering the full details of of all the things that are going on. Not to take away from what patrol sees, but you know, patrol does get to hand it off at some point, and then right. the CID really is the one that, that hears the the terrible details and sees all the terrible photos, et cetera. And you've got one or two people in that position. That's a, kind of a recipe for uh, some type of disaster. Either mm-hmm. uh, you know, leaving the job and you spend a lot of training money, uh, or you know, some other uh, self-inflicted situation yeah. of mental health problems, and. Uh, so with the outreach of programs and staffing, um, those seem like obvious band-aids. What other organizations, are there nonprofit groups that come in and do counseling? Is it TMPA? What other outside agencies participate in, in the well-being of officers? So there's several that do, um, like peer support. Um, TCOL actually has an initiative they put into place that is peer-to-peer support. Um, there's quite a few, and then there's even resources available for investigators through our local children's center. Um, I'll tell you, for me, the best resource uh, the last two years, um, I try to go to the Dallas Crimes Against Children Conference every every year they have it, and that's free training hosted through the children's center. And the resources that are available through some of the contacts there, I mean, it, there, there's a lot out there that can be utilized. A, a lot of the peer-to-peer support is really good. Um, and then just the networking you can get at some of these training opportunities with other people. You know, you have the opportunity just to vent about some of this stuff with people that understand what is happening and what these cases involve. Um, that that goes a long way. But there, the uh, the TCOL initiative for the peer-to-peer support, man, there's there's free training for that to where we can even have our own in-house, um, you know, peer support groups. Um, there's a lot of things there that we can do that really aren't gonna cost us a fortune. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously at the same time, I would like to have a, a true professional, you know, on whether it's on a contract or whatever we can do to be there for the truly critical incidents mm-hmm. where somebody needs, you know, to actually see a, a therapist or something like that. Right. Do you feel like there's any uh, deficiency in that currently or in the future plans? Uh, do, you, do you see a lack of support in officer mental health currently that you want to bring a fresh new uh, program to or is there something in place now that you want to enhance 
Well, right now I'm not aware of any programs they have that are, whether it's peer-to-peer support or to be able to talk to a professional. I, I don't know of any that are in place right now. Um, and, and obviously when you're shorthanded and overworked, mm-hmm. uh, burnout is a very real thing and happens very quickly. So while we need to... You ever to, get burnout, Fred? Do what? You ever get burnout? No, I'm not in it anymore for a reason. Burnout is is hard to fix once you get there. Mm -hmm. and But that's another situation where if you you can rotate assignments. I mean, obviously now we've got a lake to patrol. We have a lake patrol unit. So, hey, you know, somebody's struggling, somebody's having a hard time, you know, hey, go patrol the lake for two weeks. I mean, that can do a lot for somebody's mental and physical well-being. You you might actually bolster your reserve. Yeah, absolutely. You've got a lake rotation Absolutely. Yeah. What else you got on your on your sheet there? So we mentioned some of the um, problems that are facing Fannin County, and one of which is nationwide is narcotics. Right. So how would you combat the narcotics issue that's in Fannin County? Yeah, that's a big one. Um, we're seeing a lot, because parts of Fannin County are so rural, it's very easy for people to hide in what they're doing in Fannin County. I mean, you can go out to some dead-end county road that, I mean, we may not even know it exists because it's so remote or it could be a private road. So there, there's a lot that we need to do there. So there's a couple things that I want to do there for sure. One of them is, um, you know, Fannin County Sheriff's Office has no drug dogs, and we have not for quite a while. Their uh, Bonham PD has one. I don't know that it's in service at the moment, um, but we, we need to bring our drug dog program back. And there's actually a program through the Texas Department of Criminal Justice um, where their kennel teams will train and certify drug dogs and make them available to local law enforcement. And that cost as little as $50. So we can get wow. a state certified, state trained drug dog ready to $50 go. $50 for what? What is the $50? It's get for you? the dog. For the That's dog for itself. the dog already trained and certified. Wow. So then you would just need the, a vehicle outfitted and an officer. Correct. Training. You would need the, the handler training and you would mm-hmm. need an outfitted vehicle. So the handler training, uh, the state will assist with that as well, but they will still have to go finally certify through a certifying entity. The, um, the vehicle equipment, um, that one, again, with the House bill funding I was talking about earlier where they did the pay raises, the county has $42,000 a year left over from that funding. So even in the first year, you could have uh, vehicles equipped, and obviously converting a couple of the current ones. You couldn't buy new ones for that, but converting a couple of the current patrol vehicles into canine uh, units. And again, it's all done for $50 out of the taxpayer fund and the remainder out of um, state grant funding. And that's an incredible price. Yeah. $50? Yeah, and it's a very simple program. I mean, they have the, the state prison system has their own um, bloodline that they breed and raise, mm-hmm. and um, they train and certify these dogs. Uh, most of them are some kind of lab mix. Mm-hmm. They're not doing bite work. They're not mm-hmm. doing apprehension. Um, they're just doing detection. Um, so they're, they're well-trained. And a lot of these dogs are program dogs that they have used already, and then just Sometimes the environment in the prison itself isn't good for the dog or the dog doesn't adapt well to that, whereas out on the street searching a vehicle, they're perfectly fine. So they're, um, it, it's a great program, and, and we need to capitalize on that for sure. Well, I, I'll go on record and say I'll donate $50 to that program if it's going to be implemented. No kidding. I mean, I'll write the check cheap. to get it started. Yeah. <laughs> well, but even beyond that, I mean, we all know drug crimes and, and crimes in general. 
they don't stop at the county line. They don't mm-hmm. stop at the city limit sign. I mean, we've got to be building relationships with all of our surrounding police departments, with our school departments, with our city departments, with our surrounding sheriff's offices. And really, we, we need to be sharing information. We need to be working together because none of these cases are staying confined to any one jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be building the relationships, working together, and being collaborative on how we're addressing this. Because these small towns, they don't have the opportunity to go send an undercover in to do something. They don't have unmarked units. They don't have surveillance technology. We, we can't afford it, whereas the county already has those things. So a lot of this and a lot of the drug problem can be addressed. We'll never win the war on drugs, but our area can be addressed simply by building relationships with the surrounding entities and the entities within Fanning County and then you know working together on this stuff. We can't we can't be isolated. Are there Narcan kits? I mean, I know there are. Yes. Are there any in Fannin County being used? Yes, uh, the Texas Sorry. Department of Emergency Management um, had, um, as a result of some kind of lawsuit against a narcotics manufacturer, they actually issued cases and cases of Narcan um, just for Ector PD. I think they sent us like seventy-five units or oh, something. Wow. I mean, it, it's a lot. Yeah, so we're well stocked there. Okay. <laughs> So you mentioned building relationships with these mm-hmm. internal and external agencies from Fannin County. How do you plan on doing that? That's going to take. That's going to take time. Um, that's going to take a lot of work. But we need one very simple way. Is you know, let's just have quarterly meetings. Invite every police chief in the county. Let's invite the surrounding sheriffs. Let's all just sit down and tell us what do you need from Fannin County Sheriff's Office. These small towns, they're not 24-7 police. Um, you know, tell us, how do you want us to handle your calls when you're not there? Do you want to be notified? Do you not want to be notified? What can we do to help? And leave it very open-ended. Let let the other people around us tell us what they need from us. Um, we've got a lot of resources that can be used to help, and we're by law required to cover the county, whether these municipalities are staffed or not. So... A lot of it is just very clear, open communication of, hey, you know, let's sit down once a quarter, once every other month, let's have coffee, and let's just visit about what we can do to help you. What type of uh, dispatching system, I know we don't have to get too technical, but Mm -hmm. are you, it's been a while since I've been over there, Mm -hmm. so is it on a system uh, like the old cop sync was where dispatch can electronically send to the cars information, scan Yes, DLs, it, et cetera. Yes, it is. It's a computer-aided dispatch system now where they can communicate between vehicles. Um, you know, they can put pin drops on maps where calls are if it's something hard to find. Um, now, that's that, that's for the sheriff's office. The the city police departments, I think there's one that participates in the same program, but that's, that's just for deputies. It doesn't apply to all the other district or all the other uh, jurisdictions in the county. So, but yes, they have a computer-aided dispatch Um and it's it, it's a good program. I think there was some TCOG funding that helped with that, and they're so, doing well there. So where would you be on uh, getting the other municipalities on board where your dispatchers have one autonomous mm-hmm. system for everybody they're dispatching so that it doesn't feel disconnected? It, it would be a great idea. Uh, the cost is, is a big problem. The cost to add the municipalities to the program, it, it's more than the cities can afford. Uh, I looked into it at one point, and, it, you know, it was – tens of thousands of dollars more than what we're currently paying for CopSync. Mm-hmm. Um, while CopSync's probably not the best program out there, it's it's affordable, and that's what these cities want. Mm-hmm. So there may be some some way in the contract um, that they currently have to add 
cities through the county contract. Uh, we just have to look and see exactly how that's set up. Cop thinks a weird, weird thing. It is. You, you know, <laughs> when I was on it, we were actually, I believe, technically housed by Victoria PD or something. And so when we ran it, it was, yep. you know, kind of piggybacked onto a totally different agency. It, it is. It's, on returns. it's still piggybacked off the, um, I don't remember the sheriff's office, but it's a sheriff's office down there by Victoria. Yeah. yeah. It's a strange thing. So, all right, well, we're coming up. We've been on this uh, segment here for a little while. Take us another break real quick, and we'll come back and uh, just kind of shoot the breeze on what we got left here. And I got a couple of there's the jam. There's, we've got a couple of uh, just straightforward campaign questions that you get anywhere while you're on the stump. Sound good? That'll work. Back in the studio with Cody Shook, Sarah Busey, Fred Schroeder, here on the call sheet. We've had a couple of good segments. Going to kind of wrap things up here. And uh, I said going into the break that I had a couple of straight campaign questions I was going to ask you, like you were on the uh, on the trail out on the stump. Mm-hmm. So, what's your major issue? I'm shaking my stick at you. Major issue right now is the amount of preparation that needs to be done to account for the growth that's coming. This is something that, you know, we probably should have been doing 10 years ago to prepare. So, you know, gradually increasing staffing levels, gradually adding equipment, um, gradually preparing for the changes in the types of crimes that are coming with the growth, the increase in drugs that we'll see, um, the increase in the crimes against children, the, the, the increase in the property crimes we're going to see with a bunch of weekend homes out there there are so many steps that need to be taken. We're already, you know, behind where we need to be. The developments on the lake are already under construction. Um, you know, we've seen they're already building resorts. They're already building developments. I mean, we have a lot of work to do to try to preserve what we can of our sense of community and conservative values in Fanning County for the growth. And like I said, we can't stop the growth. It's here. I mean, it's there. The only thing slowing up down right now is kind of some water issues and things are happening in the county. So that's my goal is can we preserve our values and our way of life despite the growth? Mm-hmm. So uh, all the residential vacation and growth, I think that was always referred to as a, a bedroom community. That's right. what, you know, Allen. Mm-hmm. And Fairview were that for a long time when they were just kind of riding the outskirts of Plano and McKinney. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any, and you may not know this, it just comes to mind, is there any projected development of actual um, business economy over there? Is it all, is it all more of a luxury type development? It, mostly the luxury type stuff. I mean, like I said, the resorts, a lot of it is, you know, lake houses, weekend houses, um, I'm sure there will probably be a marina or two in there that will bring some, some business in. Um, and then the, the one major resort, they're talking about having restaurants and shopping and, and some touristy type things like that that will bring some revenue in. Um, the I think the biggest thing the county is counting on is the property tax revenue from the developments. Um, but as far as other businesses, obviously we're getting some storage businesses and some 
some smaller things like that coming in, you know, boat storage and some facilities like that. So the main thing the county's banking on is the property tax revenue from all that. Again, this may not be the right thing, but just in conversation, do you know if they're banking on using the property taxes without an increase or do they foresee having to make an increase on the tax rate? Uh, I, I don't know. It depends on which commissioner you ask. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Fair, enough, <yeah. laughs> Fair enough. So, for instance, and not to compare, but at Grayson County, we've got the most recent announcement of the Margaritaville $6 yep. billion dollar investment, and then you've got Hard Rock Cafe uh, Resort, which is on the Oklahoma side, but just across Grayson County. And that's on top of TI and Global Way Ferrari with a $9 billion commitment. So, mm-hmm. uh, Grayson County is at almost $20 billion commitments from businesses that's spurring a lot of the, the growth and funding a lot of the things um, that's then turned around and, you know, championed of, of change and growth we're able to do without raising the tax rate here because of the, the outside mm-hmm. dollar commitment of yeah. developments and income and just number of people that are going to be contributing to it. But when I look over at Fannin County, I don't see the same type of right. funds base. So um, with the change that you say – is needed what you know how, how are we going to do that is it where we're yeah. going to preserve money can we preserve money yeah uh, what what's uh what's the outlook yeah there so obviously the sheriff's office it needs to be a controlled growth with the sheriff's office i can't go in there the first year and ask the commissioners for you know eight nine more deputies ten more vehicles and, and a bunch of equipment it, it's just not practical so it's got to be a controlled growth as the tax base grows um, I, I'm not for increasing the tax rate. You know, I live in the county. I own land in the county. My property taxes are high enough, and you know, the majority of the county will agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, an increase in the tax rate is not something that is seen favorable, favorably in the county. So, it, I'm for a controlled growth with as the tax base grows, but then also utilizing our lot of resources for law enforcement that we're not tapping into. Now, some of them we are utilizing, like this new state funding, the 350000 Like I said, we'll have $42,000 a year left over from that. I mean, that goes a long way to equipment. $42,000, that goes a long way for equipment. Not so much for vehicles or anything, but it will for, you know, updating body armor and radios and uh, tasers and things like that. Um, one of the big issues that we're, we need to address is training. Because, like I said, as the types of crime and things in the county change we need to be staying on top of that we need the training we need to be prepared so we need to be utilizing a lot of resources you know the dps um, sexual assault and family violence investigator program we need to be utilizing some of the federal law enforcement training center programs Um, and then you know probably most importantly we need to be using the the texas state university school safety center training programs so there's a lot of this stuff that we need to adapt to can be done through training um, utilizing free resources, but we've got to be willing just to put the work in to host those trainings and bring them to the county. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of the fact that we've been able to do that, even for small town Ector PD. Um, that it's, we've already done it a couple of times with different training classes. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to expand that to the whole county. Sure. So when we touched earlier on your fire service, mm-hmm. what does your experience and background look like in law enforcement? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, when I turned uh, 22, I switched from law enforcement to, I mean, I'm sorry, from fire to law enforcement. Um, I got hired by Sherman Police Department. Uh, they put me through the police academy, uh, started working for them right away. Um, since then, uh, you know, I've worked for Sherman, Savoy, and now I'm the chief of Ector. So, 
the 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 bulk of what I did for Savoy PD was crimes against children. Uh, it was very prevalent. I did uh, you know all the felony investigations. We had numerous um, cases involving you know child pornography and s sexual assault of a child. Uh, you know there was a lot of different things that I handled there. So my law enforcement background has been very varied. I've had the opportunity to hold a lot of different uh, positions and to work a lot of different assignments and types of cases. I think in my first month at Savoy. Uh, we had a murder right off the bat. So I don't think Savoy Tourism is going to be reaching out to you. No, probably so. not. Probably not. Uh, but it's it's very interesting having the perspective of working for a large department like Sherman, where as a as an officer, you always have a resource. You have a crime scene tech you can call to come out and handle your crime scene. You have, you know, an evidence technician that's going to take care of your evidence for you. You have a records clerk. You have a specialized investigator you can pass something off to. Man, what's that like? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting to the good part. So as a small town officer and as a small town chief, those resources don't exist. That's you. When the call comes in, you handle the initial call, you handle the follow-up investigation, you handle the evidence, you handle the documentation, you handle the case filing. I mean, everything is on the small town officer. I think you do the interviews. You find yes, the yeah. you do the interviews. You hunt them down. I mean, everything is on you. So I think people don't give small town police enough credit because they are doing the job of ten people by themselves. So it was very eye opening for me to go from a large agency to a small one. But I think it's one of the best decisions I ever made because it taught me so much more about law enforcement and gave me a much broader view of what we actually need. Um, but then, yeah, back to the question. So, uh, yeah, I've been very active. I think training is extremely important. We, the, the, probably since about 2010, um, law enforcement has seen so many changes We're it's moving so fast. We've got to stay relevant. We have to stay up to date. We have to stay ahead of the crime trends. And the only way to do that is make sure we get the best training possible and, and keep after it. It's a continuing process. It, it's not just something you do once and it's over. So, um, I put a very heavy emphasis on that training, and I'm very proud of what I've been able to accomplish there. You know, I hold about a dozen different state specialized certifications and various investigative types and techniques. I've um, been very active uh, in my work with the Crimes Against Children in Fannin County and what we can do to combat that. Um, and then in 2023, I was the Fannin County Children's Center Multidisciplinary Team Member of the Year um, for the work that we've done there. And then we've conducted a lot of trainings for civilian groups to be aware of what you know, what human trafficking looks like in a modern world and how they can help and identify and report. Um, so it, I'm very proud of the, the law enforcement record that I do have. The agencies I've worked for have really invested a lot in me and have blessed me to be able to have a resume far beyond um, my years. And, I, and I'm very fortunate for the places I've worked and the administrators that I've worked for. How many years and training hours do you have total? I have eight years and uh, 2,640 training hours. Okay. So, tough question that they would ask if they right. haven't already. Why should Fannin County vote for you compared to your candidates who have 20-plus years each? Yeah, that's a great question, a very legitimate question. Uh, it's no secret I'm the youngest one running for sheriff. Um, but what you're going to get with me, you're going to get community involvement, you're going to get transparency, you're going to get honesty, and you're going to get somebody who has the most relevant, up-to-date, and current record for what we're seeing in the world today. And while I respect the service of anybody that's been in law enforcement for an extended period of time, 
training from 1990 or you know early 2000s is not relevant with the laws, the case laws, and the technology that we have right now. So we need somebody in office who's aware and up to date on what is happening today and has the most relevant current experience. You mentioned transparency. How would you be, what is your plan for transparency to the public? Yeah, there's a few things I'd like to do there. <clears throat> one, um, one big thing that is a complaint I hear about the county in general, not just the sheriff's office from a lot of people, is the fact that commissioner's court, you know, happens on a Tuesday morning. Um, there's, there's very little interaction between the county government and the people unless somebody wants to take a day off work and go sit in commissioner's court on a Tuesday morning when, you know, we've all got jobs. So I want to be very proactive about getting out and being involved in the community and even, you know, say host a town hall meeting on a Saturday or something when people can get to it. And then another thing I want to do is bring back the sheriff's office social media. I mean, we don't have uh, a county Facebook page. We don't have any way to push out that information. So a good example of that is, you know, just here a few months ago, we had two inmates escape Fannie County Jail. There were no notifications made. Um, there were no notifications made to the public, to other law enforcement. I mean, it was, I have family that live right there close to the, to the jail they escaped from, and there was no emergency notifications. So communication is a big one. I mean, it's a huge one, and I get it. Social media can be a beat down sometimes. People can be very negative and, and ugly on social media, but that's not a reason not to have a venue to put information out to the public where they can get it at their convenience. Do you know why the social media page went away? Because I noticed that. I noticed that it was there, and then all of a sudden it's not. Yeah. And the Office of Emergency Management has one, and they were kind of – Right. They're the ones that kind of put out everything now. Yeah, a, a big question for the current sheriff. Gotcha. So we talked about a, a lot of the things that uh, you see with the change on the horizon, et cetera, and, you know, we're going to need more officers, a lot of mm -hmm. things that are going to obviously cost more. And hopefully the growth will help offset that. Is there any uh, way that you see to be able to reduce anything that's currently being spent or any current outflow of monies? Yeah, so there's a few things we could do. Um, man, one thing that I'd really like to see change is the fact that uh, we're just some reorganization within the sheriff's office. So right now... Um, We've got, you know, sworn peace officers that are doing case filings and doing, um, you know, a lot of administrative tasks. So if we transfer some responsibilities to, you know, records clerks and get them trained on, you know, some simple things like filing cases with the DA's office and stuff like that, we can free up the deputies that we do have to be more effective in what they're in their jobs and their assignments. So, and then a little bit more organization on how our patrol is handled because we have almost 900 square miles and two deputies to cover it. So whether it's staging deputies through certain parts of the county to have better response times or whatever we can do there. Um, but we definitely need to go over all the practices and procedures that are in place now to make sure that we're making the best use of our time and resources with what we do have currently. And if there's anything we can streamline to be more effective with the money and the manpower we do have, that needs to happen quickly. So when you said filing cases, it's not electronic? It is electronic. Um, the program they're using right now, we it actually just went to electronic, I believe, back in October. It just started. Uh, before it was physical, you know, taking the case files, dropping mm -hmm. them off the DA's office, all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it is electronic now, but the process that is being used is, um, it, it's very time consuming. Um, and the program that's being used is very time consuming, which is, is fine. Uh, but at the same time, if we're going to be paying a, a CID sergeant a much higher rate, 
when somebody at a, at a secretary uh, pay level could be dealing with that. It's just it's a very simple thing we can do to streamline the process and be more effective with what we currently have. So in, here in uh, studios in Sherman, here in Sherman, they have uh, parking enforcement downtown mm -hmm. and uh, around the city with um, enforcing the handicap parking and stuff. And that's actually done by civilians. Yes. Um, you know, they're not sworn peace officers. Uh, I believe animal control may be uh, in a similar situation. And uh, so, like you say, the rate of pay is probably a lot less for a civilian right. code enforcer versus uh, a sworn peace officer. Is there any, any opportunity for that type of program in Fannin County? Uh, there could be. So we don't have a countywide animal control. And obviously, you know, the sheriff's office isn't dealing with parking, then be the municipalities. But in another role, we could definitely do something like a citizen's police academy and then get a citizen's on patrol happening. Because a lot of crime prevention is just visibility. So even if you have a, a, um, a citizen's on patrol with some kind of a marked unit, where it's clearly not the sheriff's or not a deputy, but it's a citizen's on patrol or something, that would help with the visibility, especially around the new lakes. Um, so there are some resources there, and I've already been approached, approached by a group of volunteers who would be willing to do that. They just need a little training on what they can and cannot do legally. Um, and, and then even you know our civilian search and rescue teams are very beneficial. They're very active. Um, so there are some things right there that we can do with volunteers or even expand our reserve officer program because you know reserve officers, they're working a couple shifts a month for free. So we can we can do some things there uh, at no cost or very little cost um, with civilian volunteers or our reserve officers. All right, I think uh, Fairview, I think, is where I saw they actually had their uh, Citizens Police Academy folks uh, working uh, traffic around accidents and directing yes. traffic. It uh, you know a few things similar to that. I don't know mm -hmm. that they were doing a crash report but they right. were on the crash scenes at least with traffic control and uh, they seem to have the most prominent program at least that i've seen around north texas of having actual citizens on patrol literally 24 7 they have yeah. marked units out doing some type of service yeah it's, it's a great program uh, once it's up and running i know i think at one point sherman tried to do that as well like on the traffic control and things on crash scenes because right now it's it's very dependent on the volunteer fire departments and you know yeah. when they're all working full-time jobs at two o'clock in the afternoon you know you don't really want to be pulling them from their jobs just to come help you do traffic control on a scene so there, there's a they might even crash into you when they get there <laughs> but there <laughs> yeah, i guess there's a backstory there truck? yeah yeah uh -oh. <laughs> your city yeah. well we probably shouldn't talk about that one <laughs> But no, yeah, I, I definitely would be open to any volunteers that want that are able and willing to help. Um, and then if there is any way to transition any of the current roles within the sheriff's office to a civilian position uh, at a lower pay rate, obviously we still want to pay you know a fair fair wage, but at a lower pay rate than a sworn deputy, I'm definitely open to that. Do they still have a civil service deputy for uh, process? Yes, they do. That way we'll have to see if that could work. I think they're doubling up as uh, transport and civil service. Yeah. 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 What else you got? You got anything else, Frederick? No, I think that's it. I can't cool. think of anything. Cody, you want to give your uh, elevator pitch here before we wrap yeah, up? Yeah, let's do it. Do it. So like I, kind of like what we said earlier, you know, when you asked, uh, asked for the little pitch earlier, look, I, I'm not – 
here for a title. I'm not here for a second retirement. I'm not here to, you know, to end my career with the title of sheriff. I've got a long career ahead of me. I'm here for longevity, and I'm here to preserve what we can of Fanning County despite the growth. My family's here. My brothers are here. You know, my nieces and nephews, my own daughter, they're all growing up here. And they deserve to have the same sense of community and values that I got to experience as a child as well. If there's anything that law enforcement can do to preserve our way of life and our conservative values and work with the growth, then that's what I'm going to do. So it's about community. It's about being accountable to the community. It's about having the community involvement. And it's about being, you know, being accountable to the taxpayers for everything we're doing and striving to do everything we can in the most efficient, cost-effective way possible, still providing a quality professional service for the people of Fannin County. Hey, it sounds good to me. Disclaimer, we're not endorsing any particular candidates on here, but I like what you're saying. I appreciate it. I like what you're saying. Cody, appreciate you coming on. Uh, Hopefully we can interview you again one day in uh, a different capacity than a candidate for a sheriff's office. So hopefully you'll keep us uh, in the in the Rolodex or on the accept list when we call. Absolutely. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Fred, you got anything else to say before we shut it down? It was a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for coming. Thank you all very much for the opportunity. make sure to remember to vote. No matter who you vote for, change will not happen without voting. Hey, can I give the voting dates real quick? Yeah. yeah one more minute? Knock okay. Out, knock out the locations and the... Uh, so uh, February 20th, early voting starts. It is at the Armory in Bonham. All early voting's at the Armory in Bonham. Starts February 20th. Uh, March 5th is election day. 19 different voting locations across Fanning County. So look, at, go to the county clerk's website, see what voting precinct you're in. Uh, it'll give you the location. That's the biggest thing in Fanning County. We need the turnout. I mean, we need people to show up to vote. Um, you know, out of 25,000 registered voters in the county, we might get, you know, 5,000 show up to vote. So we need the participation. Uh, February 20th, early voting starts, March 5th, Election Day. Cool, you heard it. Rock the vote, like they used to say in the old days. That might be before your time. <laughs> um, how old you are. Rock the vote. All right, Cody, thanks for coming on. We're going to wrap this up. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, stay tuned for our episode two coming soon. <laughs>